Welcome to Thrive Lathrop Podcast. Here at our church, we believe that everyone can thrive. Make sure to subscribe to our channel and enjoy this life-changing message. Well, good morning, Thrive family. Thank you so much for tuning in online this morning. And man, wasn't that an amazing worship set? I believe that every single week, one of the most important things that we do when we're watching service is to allow the presence of God to enter wherever you're watching, whether it's your car, your living room with your family, uh, because God's not contained to a box. You know, we're, we're not uh, necessarily have to be in a church. We, we believe wholeheartedly that God moves and speaks in all sorts of ways. And that no matter where you're at, God can move right where you are. And so family, let's just pray for the service. I'm excited to preach. I'm so grateful for, for Pastor Eric and Pastor Lori and, and all that we're doing at Thrive, but I don't want to um, waste too much time. I want to jump right in because I believe that God wants to do something amazing today. So let's pray real quick, family. And we're going to jump right into the message. Jesus, we love you. We thank you. I pray for my family as they're watching the service, wherever they're at. And I pray that this morning uh, or whenever they're watching Jesus, that you would move in a powerful way. I pray that it would speak to them. And as we talk about this topic of prayer, and as we focus on you, that Jesus, you would bring us closer to you. We love you. We thank you. And in Jesus name, everybody said, amen. Amen. All right. And so I have the privilege to continue our series called The Parsonage. And really these last few weeks, we've been emphasizing on prayer. Pastor Eric, a couple weeks ago, talked about prayer. And then last week, Pastor Jason and I just kind of get to come right behind them and, and, and follow up. And I'm excited because this topic to me is just so special. This is probably my favorite topic to talk about. Out of everything in scripture, out of everything we, we talk about in the Bible, for me personally, I love talking about prayer. I love talking about this topic because I believe that as we talk about prayer, it is this topic that is so profound because it allows us to really spend time with Jesus. It, it, it's the conduit. It's the thing that we get to do so that way you and I have a relationship with with God. Prayer is the difference between religion and relationship. The ability that you and I get to have to talk to the God who made us, man, that's super next level. And I just love introducing people to that. I love just talking about it and, and hanging out and having conversations and reading books. And so I have a lot to talk about in a little bit of time, but I believe that this message would really inspire you and challenge you and call you to a deeper place of prayer and would call you to a place where you would pray more where you'd want to pray more. And I believe that Jesus is really gonna speak to us today. So I wanna jump in. If you're uh, taking any notes, whether it's on your phone or maybe you're on Facebook or Instagram or you got a Twitter, whatever the case may be, I want you to title this message today, No Wasted Words, No Wasted Words. As I was praying and as I was thinking about what I wanted to speak on today and what I wanted to share, I felt like the Holy Spirit just put this on my heart as I was getting ready this week. And I felt like as I was praying, I asked Jesus, and this is most of the time what I do. I asked Jesus, man, uh, what, do you, what do you want me to share? Like, what's the main point that you want me to get across? Because I, I just don't want to speak. Uh, a thousand words from Chris mean nothing, but, but one word from the Holy Spirit can change your life, man. And so I just was asking the Holy Spirit, God, what do you want them to get? And I felt like the Holy Spirit wanted me to highlight this. And it's this, is that I listen to them. I'm listening. I'm listening to them. When they pray, I hear them. 
And I believe that's sometimes really hard to believe as believers. I think we understand the concept of prayer as something that we need to do and something that is potentially powerful. But then when it begins to be part of the reality of our life, I think one of the things you and I can struggle with is this idea that God doesn't listen. And so if he doesn't listen, then I shouldn't pray. But I want to tell you that's a lie from the enemy. That's a complete lie. That is total deception. And I want to break this down in scripture. And I believe today that God would want to share with you that if you would just trust him and that you would know this, that he's the God who listens. He's the God who hears you. He wants to hear your prayers and how important it is to pray because he is so longing for you to get close to him. I truly believe this family, that God is longing for us to be close to him, especially in this season. And I really do. I think, I think it's a lie that we would believe that God doesn't listen to us. I believe it's a lie that God wouldn't hear us. Uh, it's funny, my, my son Zadok, I, I love my boy. Uh, there's this story where uh, he believes that one of our family members, uh, he, we were, they were hanging out. They were, he was hanging out with his cousins and, and one, of his fa- one of our family members pushed him. I won't name names because I don't want to put anyone on blast because you might be watching and I love everyone in my family. But he believes that one of his cousins pushed him off the slide and there was this slide in the living room. And as he was going down the slide, this cousin wanted to go on faster. So Zadok got pushed and because he got pushed, he fell off the slide and then hit his head on the table. And so he got like this gash on his head and he's got a little scar, kind of like dad now. He's still cute though. So everything's fine. Uh, But he got this little gash and everyone was freaking out. And this happened about a year ago. To this day, he believes that the wrong cousin pushed him. Like I'll tell him, hey, who pushed you on the slide? And Zadok will be like, it was this guy. It was this person. It was this cousin. And I'm like, no, Zadok, it's the other cousin. And Zadok will freak out. He'll just start yelling at everybody. He'll be like, no, it was not that cousin. It was this cousin. I'm like, Zadok, it wasn't them. It was the other one. No, it was. And so literally because he thinks he knows this in his mind, he has believed the deception that this cousin pushed him when it's the wrong cousin. And I think that's how the enemy works with you and me, particularly in the place of prayer. We will believe lies. And from the place of believing the lie, we will decide whether or not to spend time with Jesus or not. And I want to tell you today that that deception, I want, I, want, I want to try to speak light and truth into that deception. And I want to use the story in 1 Kings chapter 18. I want to jump into this passage where we find Elijah, who was a man of prayer. And I want to c- get a couple of points from this story. And I believe that this story would highlight to us and show us the God that we serve listens to us and how powerful prayer is. And I just believe I'm going to, I'm just going to preach this message. So wherever you're at, I just want you to jump right in because I believe that man, as, 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 as even I'm talking about it, I pray that something would jump up inside of you. See, I, I don't want it to just be just a, a normal message. I, I pray that, that, that the Holy Spirit would go in and illuminate and, and, and set something up inside of you that, that something would begin to stir. I, and I know for me, as I read this story in Kings, that's what happens to me as well. So, so let's jump into it. First Kings, uh, it's chapter 18. And then we're gonna go through a lot of scripture. We're gonna go through verse 20, pretty much to verse 39. And so we're gonna start off with verse 20 and then we're gonna go all throughout the story. So verse 20, check it out. And so Ahab, sent to all the people of Israel and gathered the prophets together at Mount Carmel. And Elijah came near to all the people and said, how long will you go limping between two different opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people did not answer him a word. 
Verse 22, then Elijah said to the people, I, even I only am left a prophet of the Lord, but Baal's prophets are 450 men. Verse 23, let two bulls be given to us and let them choose one bull for themselves and cut in pieces and lay it on the wood, but not to put fire on it. And I will prepare the other bull and lay it on the wood and put no fire to it. And you call upon the name of your God. And I will call upon the name of the Lord and the God who answers by fire. He is God. And all the people answered, it is well-spoken. This story family is so iconic and epic. If you have time after this message to jump into it, I challenge you to do so because it is amazing. This conversation won't do the story justice, but I want to highlight it. Let me just give you the ESPN highlights to explain the story first. So Israel at the time, is going through a very intense season of wickedness and sin. And the reason why is because they have wicked leadership. There's this king named Ahab and his wife named Jezebel. And these two individuals have led the entire nation astray. And so God finds a person though, and his name's Elijah. And you find all throughout the chapters before that Elijah is this man that literally God uses him to do miraculous things. God uses them to, as, as a voice and a prophet and, and he is using Elijah. So it comes to this climactic moment where the Bible says that Elijah meets these prophets of Baal and King Ahab on this mountain called Mount Carmel. And what Elijah tells everyone is this pretty much. What we're gonna do is we're gonna have a showdown. We're gonna, we're gonna have this epic moment. I think about it like in UFC, right? Where there's like people trying to fight each other and it's like this climactic moment where where they're building it up. There's press and there's everything that's going on. And this is what Elijah's saying. Listen, we need to have a showdown because the people, you people believe that God's not real. And I know that Jehovah, Yahweh, Jesus, God is real. I know that he's the one true God. I know that Baal and all these other gods are not real, but for some reason you don't believe me. So I think we need to have a showdown. I think we need to have a moment where you see the power of God because you're believing all this other nonsense and this all this other junk, kind of like what I was talking about earlier, that you would believe this deception and these lies and, and everything that's going on. And, and what, what that has done is the deception and the lies have, have turned you away from Jesus. Where once you were so close to God, but now you are so far away. And I feel like God wants to have a moment with you. And this is what Elijah said. Let's do this. Let's set up two altars. And what you're going to do, 450 prophets of Baal and wickedness and craziness, you're going to try to ask your God to answer this altar by fire. And I'm going to pray to God, the God of Elijah, the God of, 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 of the Israel, Jehovah, Yahweh, Jesus Christ, right? I'm going to pray to this God and whichever God answers by fire, that's the one true God. The, the rest of Israel looks and they're watching and they're hearing the story and pretty much they say, bet, let's do it. Whoever answers by fire is the one true God. And the story is amazing. We're going to go into a minute. The Bible says that Elijah sets the altar and the prophets of Baal set the altar. And literally, as the prophets of Baal begin to scream and cry, their God doesn't answer. But then when Elijah prays that God answers and that altar, boom, immediately catches fire. And the people of Israel begin to turn back to God in that moment. It's, 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 it's a profound, it's amazing because you have this passage in scripture where you find a man who believes that God is so gracious and kind enough to show his people that he's real and he's alive and and that, and that he loves Israel so much that, that he doesn't want them to be 
continuing the lifestyle of wickedness and in sin. And so God shows up. And I I love that we serve a God that shows up. And so Elijah sets the scene. And, but what I think is so cool is this first point with that first passage that I read is that when there is a crisis, God finds a person. See, you have to understand this family that when there's a crisis, the way God moves on earth is through people. And the way God moves through people is it's their people that are called to him, that he calls us to him and he moves through us. So that way you and I can do what God wants to do on the earth. Now he doesn't need us, but he wants to, to be a part of this. He, he lets us be a part of the thing that he wants to do on earth. And it's incredible. And, and what does he do? He, he doesn't just look for a man or a woman, but he looks for a man or a woman that prays because the only person that really God can, can use to the fullness and the capacity that God wants to use an individual is a person that's completely submerged and immersed and called to him. See, Elijah was this individual. Elijah was a person of prayer. It says that in the New Testament. We find that here. Imagine the boldness that Elijah had to stand on a mountain in front of Israel and say, listen, if my God's real, he'll answer by fire. If your God's real, he'll answer by fire. See, what you have to understand is that Elijah already knew the answer because Elijah already knew God because Elijah already was in a place with God because he was already a man of prayer. And, 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 and I feel like I need to start the conversation with this first because I think we can read this story and we can believe that Elijah was special and he was significant. But what I want to challenge you is that the only reason why he was special and significant is because he decided to devote his life to Jesus. He decided to choose God. He decided to, to spend time in the place of worship and prayer and devotion to God. And when God looks around the earth, he's looking for a heart that's completely his. He's looking for someone who would give him the time. And it's that individual. And family, this is why this excites me because what happens if it's a church that does it? What happens if it's a church that God calls and see, we, we can think all we want. There's so many problems, right? There's so many tensions. Coronavirus is its thing in itself. It's craziness on its own. There's racial tensions. There's, there's stuff at work. There's people that don't need Jesus. There's lawlessness, there's sin, there's craziness. And so what does God do? God decides to find a person. And I would be daring to say family that the person that God wants to find and wants to use is you. <laughs> you thought it was like me or Pastor Eric. No, he wants to use you. He wants to use you. He wants to invade your life with his kingdom. So that way your life can be a place where his kingdom is brought to everyone else's life. God wants to use us, not just individually, but as a church together collectively so that people can know who Jesus is. My, one of my favorite things about the gospel is that God just doesn't save us from something, but he calls us to something. Not only does he forgive us, but he redeems us, restores us, and then launches us into a purpose and a destiny. And family, what I would tell you is this, is if you're in a season where you're feeling stuck and trapped and isolated and you don't know what's next, I want to tell you that there is absolutely a plan and a purpose and a destiny. But sometimes the only way you can find that out is only with you and Jesus. It's only in the place of prayer. It's only when you completely submit yourself to the Lordship of who Jesus is 
where you completely submit yourself to the presence of God, where, where you allow to be Holy Spirit led and not just selfishly led. It's, it's where Paul talks about the difference between selfish ambition and a kingdom mindset. And I believe that before we even get into the story, understanding this, that there's a crisis in Israel, but God finds a person and his name's Elijah. And it's because Elijah decided to choose God. It's because Elijah, Elijah decided to spend time with Jesus. Elijah decided to prioritize the presence of God in his life. Elijah decided, and don't get me wrong, probably super gifted, probably talented, but none of that matters. Gifting and callings doesn't matter unless you submit yourself to Jesus. And family, that's what prayer is. Prayer is the privilege of the cross and the resurrection. The same breath that the Israelites couldn't breathe in the Old Testament that would kill them in the tabernacle because they would go into the presence of God is the very same breath you and I get to experience today. It is access. It's where Paul talks about it in Ephesians, where once you were far off, once you were a stranger and an alien and a foreigner, but now you've been drawn near by the cross and now the hostile wall, the hostility between you and I, this is God talking to us. The hostility between you and I is broken because Jesus decides to draw us near. Family, this is what we get to do. We get to spend time with the God that made us. We get to experience the presence of God. We get to communicate to a God who is control of everything. And family, if we don't realize it and understand the value and the importance of that, then what begins to happen is we begin to miss the things that God wants to give us. My second point is this, is that it's private before it's public. Come on, some of you got to hear that. And some of you know that already, but man, some of you got to hear that. It's private before it's public. Verse 30 says this, then Elijah said to all the people, come near to me. And all the people came near to him and he repaired the altar of the Lord that had been thrown down. And Elijah took 12 stones according to the number of the tribes of the son of Jacob to whom the word of the Lord came saying, Israel shall be your name. Verse 32. And with the stones, he built an altar in the name of the Lord and made a trench about the altar as great as would contain two seahs of seed. Verse 33. And he put the wood in order and cut the bull in pieces and laid it on the wood. And he said, fill four jars with water and pour it on the burnt offerings on the wood. And he said, do it a second time. And they did it a second time. And he said, do it a third time. And they did it a third time. And the water ran around the altar and filled the trench also with water. Guys, imagine this. Here's Baal and the prophets of Baal. The Bible says for hours, they were yelling cutting themselves, screaming, pouring blood on this sacrifice, crying out to a God that's not real. <laughs> in the passage, Elijah actually starts like laughing in a sense. He starts making fun of them. He literally, guys, like he literally tells them, where's your God? Is he too busy? Is he preoccupied? Uh, there's this passage where it actually says, is he relieving himself? He asks them, is he like in the bathroom? Like, this is how crazy Elijah is. Elijah is like making fun of these guys because he knows what's about to go down. And then this is what Elijah does. He doesn't not only set up an altar that's just normal, but this is what he does. He sets up a big old trench around it and he pours, he, he has them fill up four water jars and he pours water on the altar because what he wants to make sure is that there's no mistake or accident. And, and, and family, this is what I believe prayer does to us. 
Prayer gives us the opportunity to really give God a chance to show up where it can only be him. There's no way it can be anyone else. And this is what Elijah is doing in this moment. He's setting up this altar with a trench, douse it with water, douse it again, douse it a third time. Because I want to make sure everyone knows and everyone sees that if this thing is going to get caught on fire, which we know it is, that it can only be Jesus. It can only be God that does it. But what I want to focus on is this. And I think this is amazing to me is that I truly believe that Elijah already knew how to set up an altar. And I, and I want you to follow me because this might, might make sense a little bit, but, but just try to follow me in it. Elijah was a man of God. Elijah was a man that prayed. Elijah was a man that spoke to God. Elijah was a man that God spoke to him. Elijah spoke to people, a nation and represented God. Elijah was used to start and stop the rain. Elijah was used that God would answer something by fire. Elijah was used to bring a nation back to revival. Elijah was used as this man that's a hero in scripture, incredible man. But in this moment, I truly believe that as you begin to watch and read the detail of Elijah building the altar, uh, it's not, this, this is not foreign to him, guys. Guys, this, this isn't like, man, this is just like this moment. I've been waiting for this moment my whole life. I don't believe that. I believe this was a normal day for Elijah. You're going to tell me that Elijah's never built an altar before. Elijah's never cut a sacrifice before. Elijah's never spent time with God. Elijah's never experienced God before. It's not true. I believe for years, guys, years, family, that Elijah spent time in the private place with God. And because he spent time in the private place with God, it gave him the boldness to do a public moment. And family, it's so important to understand this because what we have to begin to understand with this thing of prayer is that prayer happens 99% of the time in private. Prayer is an inside out method that God uses to heal the soul, restore the mind, answer the things that we ask him in his will. Prayer is this inside out thing before he moves anywhere with anyone and anything. He moves first on the inside and he first moves privately. I read the story and I'm thinking, man, Elijah's setting up this altar and man, it must've been like he was preparing for this, this one moment and, and he's never done this before. And, and like, it kind of like you can, you can read it and, and you can kind of seem like, man, like maybe this is just this one shot, but, but, but I have to believe and maybe the exact way he set up the altar wasn't like he's done that before, but this, this, this confidence of faith this boldness, this dude doused this altar three times with four jars of water. Because what you have to understand family is that Elijah knew that God was going to answer. He had faith and he was hoping, but I truly believe this, that God, that, that he knew because why he already knew the God that was answering by fire. Why? Because he already had a history with God that already, that the God that answered by fire. See the fire that God was going to lay on that altar in that moment. God's already done that. Maybe not physically, but in Elijah's heart. God's already, Elijah already set up an altar on the inside. Elijah already spent times 
And you, you even find it in scripture where the Bible says that he takes 12 stones and these 12 stones represent the 12 tribes of Israel. He understands that in the Old Testament, the way you set up altars is you find stones and they're uncut and you always do it to represent the 12 tribes. Elijah knew his word. He knew his God. He spent time with God. So this was not a foreign moment to Elijah. What I want to challenge you and I is this, is that sometimes we can be so focused on the exterior of prayer when God is calling us to the private of prayer, that God is calling us to the place where no no one sees and no one knows. And can I tell you, family, it's that place where no one sees and that no one knows where God moves in the greatest way and you're in my life. This is why prayer is so special and it's so unique because it's so individual. It's so relationship driven. It's all about you and Jesus. That's why we can't avoid it. That's why we can't avoid it. That's why there's nothing to replace it. I love what Pastor Eric says. There's no replacement. There's nothing you can do. I love serving, but you can't serve your way out of this one. I love, I love people. I love people. I didn't, I didn't used to, but now I really like people. I love people. I can hang out with the most spiritual people on the planet, but, but I can't get their history with God. I love preaching and I love preaching. I love teaching. I love the gifts of God that God's given me, but that doesn't satisfy the inside. The only thing that will is Jesus. And the thing that Jesus calls us to do to spend time with him is in the secret place of prayer and devotion. And it looks different for everyone. I'm not saying it has to look the same, but what I'm saying is, is it's private before it's ever public. There's this quote by a guy named Ian Bounds. He's one of my favorite authors on prayer. And he says this, public prayers are of little value unless they are founded on private praying. Whew. Whew, man. Little value. I want my prayers. I want when I pray. I believe this. I, 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 want, I want God to hear. I want God to hear. I want, I, want, I want heaven to listen. I want hell to shake when I pray. I want demons to tremble. I want angels to tune in. I want things to move on earth because that's what scripture shows us that when we pray, God moves. When we pray, things happen. When we pray, the Holy Spirit begins to do things. That doesn't happen when I just pray in front of everyone. It's, it's what Jesus said in the gospels. The people that go out are on the corners and they're praying and they're yelling and they're acting spiritual. That is their reward. But go to the place that's the closet and go to a place where no one is seen. And truly that's a greater reward. Elijah understood this. See, I believe this story shows us this beautiful example of not just Elijah's boldness and Elijah's confidence, and Elijah's trust in God and Elijah's faith and Elijah's hope and Elijah's belief that God is not done. And all those things I think are important, but that's a sermon for another, another time. What I believe it shows us for this moment is that it shows us Elijah's consistency and tenacity and his place where he knew God in private. And the only place family, you can know a God that's going to answer by fire. You got to know him in private before public. You got to know him in private before public. And I'm telling you that if you would give God the opportunity, if you would spend time with him in private, he'll answer by fire. He'll show up. He'll get close. He'll draw near. He'll speak to you. He'll challenge you. 
Prayer, it clears the mind. Prayer, it restores the soul. Prayer, it, 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 it gives us grace for forgiveness. Prayer, it, it gives us access to power from the Holy Spirit. Prayer leads people to Jesus. Prayer changes entire family. Prayer changes lineages. It cuts generational curses. Prayer is is so powerful. And I believe it's the most powerful when it's just you and him. Because it's always private before it's public. My last point is this. We're gonna close right now. Point number three. Our words never fall on deaf ears. Our words never fall on deaf ears. Verse 36. And at the time of the offering of the the oblation, Elijah, the prophet, came near and said, O Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and that I have done all these things at your word. Answer me, O Lord. Answer me that this people may know that you, O Lord, are God and that you have turned their hearts back. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt offering, the wood, the stones, the dust, and licked up the water that was in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and said, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. Come on, man. Elijah prays. Check this out. He prays this two sentence prayer and God answers by fire. He didn't need to do all that the Baal prophets did. He didn't need to cry and yell and scream because he knew his authority and he knew his access. He knew who he was because he knew who his God was. He's already spent time in the private. He's already spent time with Jesus. He's already dedicated and devoted his life to the place of prayer and intimacy with God. He's already spent his life in the place of devotion. He's already prioritized the presence. And now is the moment because of the priority of the presence of God, because of the trust that he has in Jesus, he's able to show a people that, man, let me show you the God that I serve. Let me show you the God that I know in private. Let me show you the God that you fell away from. And he says, God, I I love this. This is so good, man. This is so good. He says, God, Won't you hear me? (laughs) What? He says, won't you hear me? God, I I know you hear everyone, but, but God in this moment, God, can you please hear me? Why? Because Elijah knew God's already heard him. He says, God, answer me. Turn their hearts back. I've trust, I'm your servant. I've done everything you asked me to do. You ever, you ever have a moment? I don't know if you've ever done this. You ever had a moment where you pray and you're like, God, if you don't show up, I don't know what the heck's gonna happen. This is gonna be a mess. Everything's about to fall apart. You ever, you ever get yourself in a predicament where it's like, God, if it's not you, then it's not nothing. Like it's over, it's, it's, it's done. And that was really bad English, but that's beside the point. You just start talking crazy when you're stressed out and freaking out and everything's, all craziness. You ever get to that point where you're like, God, I need you to show up right now. Cause if you don't show up, this is bad. Elijah's in that similar place, but the difference is, is God, he knew the God he was calling to just boldness. And with such faith and such courage, <laughs> it's, 
it's just crazy. And I, I laugh because like, I think we read Bible stories and we think they're fairy tales, but literally imagine just hanging out outside of the Thrive Church parking lot. And here's a bull that's been cut up into pieces, like pretty much like a carnesidia, right? And there's just a bunch of like meat all over the place on a bunch of wood and it's doused in water. And all of a sudden, boom, this big old thing from fire falls from heaven and everyone falls on their face. Everybody, you know, listen, everybody, you know, the craziest cousin, the, the, the most drunk uncle, the drug addict, the prostitute, the person that's a mess, the sinful, the liar, the cheater, everyone, and probably you too. Some of you are watching this and you're like, yup, all of you, everyone fell to the ground, just their face, just boom. Why? Because God answered by fire. I think it's, it's crazy to me because he answers by fire because of the prayer of a man. The, pray, the prayer of a, of a guy, like this guy just prayed, like, like I pray, but like fire doesn't fall from heaven all the time like that. It's never done that for me. And yet Elijah prays and Elijah sets the scene up and God with his mercy and his grace shows up and bam, fire from heaven. And everyone turns their hearts back to God. Family, I, I want to I pray like that. I want us to, and not just me, like, like I want us to pray like that. What if you were so confident in your prayer life that you would expect God to do the unexpected? What if the insecurity of your heart in the place of prayer would be diminished because you would begin to understand the God that you truly serve and love? And what if we would truly believe this, that when we pray, our words never fall on deaf ears? Listen, I'm not saying God answers you every time. I'm not even saying God answers you the way you want him. But I am saying that God's listening. There's no wasted words. There's no wasted words. God answers Elijah. God answers Elijah. Family, and, and it's just a story. There's so many passages in scripture God answers. And maybe it's not by fire, but finances came through. The person came and showed up. Someone was sick and they got healed. Someone was sick, but they didn't get healed, but God still showed up in a different way. I, I just, I just can't believe that we serve a God that answers prayer. Because God doesn't owe us anything. The cross was enough. If you never got anything else, listen to me. The cross is sufficient. The cross and the resurrection was sufficient for the rest of your life. But Jesus says, call to me, come to me and I'll answer. And he answers. And family, you got to know this this morning that he answers. I know you've been, listen to the person, you've been praying for a really long time. That cousin, that, that kid, your spouse, your job, your situation. Maybe you're feeling a little weary. God answers. Look at, look at me, God answers. And it might not be on your time and it might not be what you expect, but he's listening and he answers. So don't stop. There's no wasted words in this kingdom. He hears you.
The Bible says in Revelation that the prayers of the saints go up to heaven and they're filled with a bull. He hears you. He hears your cries. The Bible says in Exodus that he heard the cries of the people of Israel and sent to deliver. The Bible says in, 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 in Judges when he raises up Gideon, he heard the cries of the people. God hears you, family. God hears you. He's not done with you yet. So don't be done with him. Don't act foolish. Don't do something naive and selfish thinking that he's done. He's not done with you. So don't be done with him. Trust him because there's no wasted words. There's no wasted words. I'm going to end with this. This quote by a guy named Pete Gregg, one of my favorite authors. I have a lot of favorite authors. Just love these guys. Says this. They pray as if it all depends on God and they live as if it all depends on them. I think this quote summarizes Elijah's life perfectly. Perfectly. Family, would you join me believing that I would live my life, that God would call me to the place of prayer and I would pray as if it truly does all depend on God. I would dedicate my life to the private. I would prioritize the presence of God. I would focus on my life of devotion. And I believe God that we would enter a season. Come on family, let's believe it. That you and I would enter a season that this church and this house would enter a season where God begins to answer by fire, where God begins to hear and God begins to do the miraculous and God begins to show up again and again and again and again. And the people would turn their hearts back to God. It starts in the prayer room. It starts in the private. It starts with you and I spending time with Jesus. It starts with us believing that God hears every word we say, that it does not fall on deaf ears, that God is listening and that God is ready to move as we speak. Family, I love you. I believe right now that as we speak, that God would stir your heart in the place of prayer. And that after you hear today, that you would begin to believe in a greater capacity that God hears you and he's not forgotten you. I love you. Thank you so much for joining us today. We will see you guys soon. Have an amazing week. Thank you again for tuning into our podcast. For more info, please visit our website at thrivelathrop.com. Have an amazing rest of your week.